Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown, and my guest today is Brian Crowell. Brian, I feel like you're a brother from another mother, man. I just I have to just put it out there. Uh, happy to be with you today. Brian, I am delighted you're here. And for all of our guests who don't know who you are, he's the Chief Operating Officer at Peterson, Inc., and it's an employee-owned fabrication company in northern Utah. But he's also the former AVP of Continuous Improvement at Intermountain Healthcare and the former Vice President of Manufacturing at ATK Armament Systems. And he was the plant manager at one of the highest scoring and the first two-time winner of the Shingo Prize Auto Leave in Ogden, Utah. And of course, that's where we met. And we met way back in the day. I was involved at, at, at Shingo, and I got to meet you and at Auto Leave. And, and then, as you, of course, when you went to ATK and then at Intermountain, and I brought guests and clients out to visit you as you were doing so much amazing work at Intermountain Healthcare. And now you're, you're, you've moved to, to Peterson. Can you walk me through just a little bit of your story, Brian, and, and why these models, why this conversation today about continuous improvement is so important? Sure. Um, you uh, had uh, reflected on my opportunities to work at AutoLeave, which is a fantastic company, mm-hmm. automotive supplier, uh, safety products. And uh, it was a very unique organization to be involved with. When I started there, there there were only 200 employees Mm -hmm. and they went from 200 employees to 10,000 employees in about a four year period. And you can imagine it was, it was a rodeo. I didn't realize it was that fast. I didn't realize. Oh yeah, it was. So they basically legislated safety standard 208, Mm -hmm. which uh, required cars essentially to have airbags. Mm -hmm. And so by legislation, the demand just went through the roof, just a couple of competitors. And uh, so the growth was was just amazing, which provided me a lot of opportunities in my life. But uh, one of those things that it uh, it did provide was um, a lot of challenges and opportunities improvement. We grew so fast, the quality systems, the improvement systems, they just weren't there. And, and because of that, we had some opportunities to, to partner with Toyota and, uh, um, with that, we were able to, you know, learn some of those principles and, and they, they helped us uh, as a company. But in addition to that help we had from Toyota, um, we had been down the road with working for Toyota. We actually went through and got the Shingo Prize and uh, um, had the opportunity to go to a new plant and we were struggling. And even though we had all this, the tools in place, the Kanban, we just weren't um, you know, achieving the results that we needed to satisfy our customers and, and our, our, our team members. And uh, at that time, we implemented some, some strategies to really be mo- more focused and targeted on engaging our employees uh, in, in, in improvement. And we saw some phenomenal results in that organization. Uh, at one point, one year, we had over... Uh, 70,000 implemented ideas by our employees. And we were able to, you know, basically transition improvement in every aspect of the business. Brian, and, Brian, when I tell that story, you know, 70,000 improvements implemented by employees. Right. That's right. I it mean, worked. a lot of people think, oh, are you kidding me? Did he just misspeak? But so I wanted to stop you there. Like, no, that was 70,000. And what did that do? That actually created tons of opportunities because of the cost savings, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, um, the driver for the improvement that we saw as an organization, and again, we 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 improved in every aspect of the business: mm-hmm. safety, quality, 
delivery, efficiency, uh, you know, our ability to retain employees. There, there wasn't a, a, a facet of the company that wasn't improved, but it was so important for me to really understand, you know, what systems or framework do you need to put in place to drive that type of engagement and really make it happen? Because obviously I was 100% convinced that that's how you improve companies. Mm -hmm. Okay. By really engaging uh, your, your team members. And because of the success that we had at this plant in Autoleave, we had a lot of people visiting of which you had visited a number of time and plenty of companies. And we actually said, oh, there's so many people visiting. Let's actually start charging for visits. And I think it got to like $1,500 per person for a four hour tour, 10 person minimum. I mean, it got, it got kind of crazy, but obviously with that, uh, um, there, a lot of people were uh, associating me and my team with how this happened, even though it was so much bigger than, than we were, but uh, I was getting uh, um, a lot of recruiting calls. I'm moving to other places and that's when I, I did leave Autoleave, um, probably because I was overly confident and arrogant and I went to um, work at ATK. But that was actually a great opportunity for me because at Autoleave, so much of what we did was organically driven, right? We didn't start with, this is how you do it. This is the framework you use. It organically happened. And so when I went to ATK as the um, vice president of manufacturing for that group, I had to really reflect, how did we do this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at Autoleave? How did we drive this type of engagement? How did we see that type of improvement? Improvement, And as I reflected on that and partnered with one of my friends, Mike Martin, mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we, we just really kind of dug deep and that's where developed a model or a framework that uh, helps facilitate this culture of continuous improvement. And, and so, well, I was going to say, that's a great story. And Mike Martin, of course, is a, is a mutual friend. And you guys wrote the book, Own the Gap, based on that work. Right. Because you realized that the hard lifting is to be able to come into a new system where you have to implement all these pieces and bring them together. You had to follow an operating model of some sort, right? That, 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 that's exactly right. And one of the questions that you have is, and you're gonna, if you're a leader that's going into an organization or if you're a leader that's embedded in an organization already, but you want to implement change, mm -hmm. you really do need some framework to help facilitate the change mm -hmm. so that, that, that you can um, communicate, especially if you're trying to do it in a fairly um, tight time frame. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to change people's opinions because Everybody believes that their work is different than Autoleave. Yes. That's different than Toyota. Sure. Right? Sure. But, but what I've seen is through this, the development of this model is these, these are principles that can be applied no matter what business or organization you're in. Mm -hmm. Right? So I went from automotive mm -hmm. where we're doing serial production to defense, and aerospace, mm -hmm. we had larger products, much lower rates, 
of uh, um, the volumes that we were doing. And uh, I was able to, through this model, have this platform of communication that was scalable, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is through the model, you don't have to go to the CEO and say, okay, we're going to start with you and we're going to develop this whole plan and we're going to roll it out and we're going to implement it. It's nice if you do have a CEO that's on board, believe me, that that is nice. But if you don't, you can start it in a department, mm -hmm. at a team. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's fractal and scalable, meaning that you can take the whole, but you can apply it here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The same model, or it can scale up to this other thing. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me to um, communicate, uh, effectively implement, and then see some natural results mm -hmm. or from the process mm -hmm. that we could bring other people into and then naturally people want to improve and as they saw an area it just helped the promotion of the system as you tried to roll it out throughout the organization but it was pretty important to have this framework that you could discuss but it's very basic and simple so it's not like it's a difficult thing for people to understand and it's not difficult for people to understand, but I do think that some people think of it as almost too simplistic that it can't possibly work. And then they think, oh, well, you know, we've tried those sophisticated tools, but what they didn't, what they didn't get is the simplicity actually of helping people learn a new behavior and how we help support that behavior in a new way. And that that's how we get these changes in our culture. It's not by putting a new poster on the wall you're exactly right. And and that's why I think it does require structure. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to promote specific behaviors, mm -hmm. you need to have a framework that helps promote those behaviors, mm -hmm. right? So if you want people to be have active ownership in helping improve the company, one of the key things that you need to have is you need to clearly identify what does it mean to win? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you framed what success looks like? Right. And then simply, once you've defined what success looks like, have you made it visual for them mm -hmm. so they can see how are we doing to what we've defined success as? Mm -hmm. And then as they can see it, they can identify gaps. And what do you want them to do when they identify gaps? You want them to collaborate. Mm -hmm. You want them to problem solve. Right. So what's the framework to facilitate the viewing of how we actually perform and collaboration? It's a huddle. Mm -hmm. You got to have a huddle. You got to have them talking about it, right? And then people are going to come up with actions. They're going to come up with ideas. So you know what? You got to create a framework that drives trust mm -hmm. with your employees that if they have an idea, it's going to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. And if it's a good idea, it's going to be implemented in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. But if you want the behavior of having an idea, Make sure that you have a framework that they can talk about it. Make sure that you can capture the idea, implement, and get a feedback. And then you have to close the loop. You've got to have a framework that says, we've done these things. We're not going to now look at where we're trying to go. Did it help us get there? Mm -hmm. And then obviously you start these cycles. It's PDCA, and everybody talks about PDCA, but it's more a structural framework to support PDCA, to really support these behaviors. And uh, it's amazing how many companies don't have that most basic framework when they're in their organizations. I would say most don't.
And and it's interesting too because you're right. I I've, I've experienced that same thing as I move to different companies or meet different groups where this isn't in place, or at least uh, the 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 totality of it isn't in place. And so there's bits and pieces, you know, and there's a few tools over here and a few tools over there, but 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 it has to be a, more complete than that. And and to what you're saying is, how do I engage the entire group in knowing where we're headed? And whether we achieve those, whether we're achieving those goals, or how do we solve and close those gaps when we don't? And then how do we follow up? And what are the roadblocks? And how can I support you? That's exactly right. Right. You know, and uh, one of the challenges I think that you've seen it many times is there's entropy happens, right? So the universe and everything tends to move towards disorder. So once you set up these systems, if you don't couple them with some discipline and some leader standard work mm -hmm. to continually put energy into it to support it, it will quickly dissolve. So, so I know let me, you've seen it many yes. times. Yeah, you're right. I have. And so, but let me push you on that. The leaders who just heard that, they're like, well, maybe Brian, that's why I don't need to do this. Maybe, maybe I should just spend my time telling everyone, here's the KPI. If you don't do it, you're out. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there, there are some different methods to get results. One of them is management by objective. Mm -hmm. We've all been taught management by objective for years in our MBA schools, which basically says your whole goal is you need to put out that KPI and then keep asking people about it and they're going to get there. And a lot of times that does happen. Mm -hmm. But if you're driving towards a culture, mm -hmm. right, that has some other aspects, which are all about respect of people, which if you honor the reality of their intellect and the, the gifts that they individually have to help the business. And as you tap into those, it's gonna improve your overall company culture and reduce turnover and everything. You'll never get that with management by objective, Yeah. right? I mean, you're, you're not gonna get it. So you have to, in my view, if you wanna live in an environment that people want to work in and that you feel good about, you, you need to create this, this culture that really does honor and respect the creativity of the people. And there's enough humility involved to know that you don't know all the answers. Mm -hmm. And you're much better as a leader to say, oh, hey, yeah, I, I can help you understand that problem mm -hmm. and get in the weeds a little bit, help them go through some problem solving. There's going to be a lot more trust developed and a lot more understanding of the culture you're trying to get by doing that rather than you sitting in your ivory tower and spitting out KPIs, right? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just shaking, you know, I'm nodding with everything you're saying. And of course, we have the liberty and the, val uh, the, the benefit of being able to see each other in our Zoom video, which the audio our listeners don't get to do. But, but of course, I'm agreeing with you. And um, it's funny because I think about this and people say, well, maybe it doesn't work in different industries. But you've done this in, in healthcare as well. I mean, you went right. in as a leader in continuous improvement in Intermountain Healthcare, and you had a fantastic leader who said, oh, I'm in, I am in. And you guys, you guys were like partners in this effort. Can you just walk me through that? Because this can happen everywhere. We can really help people. We can really help people everywhere. And what you just said touched my heart too, because you know what, Shingo, that was one of my biggest things. When I started writing the, about what are the foundational truths behind each of these principles that we've that we know great people have discovered over time, but principles, that they're, they're timeless, they're universal, they apply to everyone. But what we did is we said, let's look at these foundational principles, the truth behind them. And what you just said is, is really true. We respect every individual because everyone has intrinsic value. 
and infinite potential. We lead with humility because we all know that the reason we lead with humility is because it enables us to grow. It enables everyone to grow. Right. We need everyone to be a problem solver. I can't just be the only problem solver on the floor. And leaders, that's where we have to have some humility, not because we don't have any confidence or any expertise, but because we want everyone to be a problem solver on the floor. I'm gonna ask better questions. I'm gonna to go to the Gemba. I'm gonna to seek to understand before I just go out barking orders. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, again, you articulated it so well. That's the, the, those things are so true. And you asked the question specifically about Intermountain Healthcare. Yes. So Intermountain Healthcare is a very large organization. When I was there, there was about 4,000 employees. One out of every 12 people that had a job in Utah worked for Intermountain Healthcare. Okay. This is a huge organization. You said 40,000, correct? 44,000. 44,000, yeah. 44, yeah, 44,000 employees. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was hired on um, as the AVP for continuous improvement um, by Timothy Pearson, who was the uh, president of one of the regions, their northern region. And he had himself been adopting a lot of these principles. And he was asked by the COO at the time, you know, is it possible to scale these things mm -hmm. uh, throughout the organization? And um, at the time, it was very similar to Autoleave. There had been some success, but there really wasn't a framework defined around that. Mm -hmm. And uh, together with him and some other team members, we helped create a model, branded it specifically to Intermountain, Intermountain operating model. It's uh, still in use today, but it really had some of the same tenets that I described earlier on, you know, clearly identifying uh, what does it mean to succeed? How do you know you're succeeding? What are we doing to collaborate and identify gaps? What are we doing to make sure we're closing the loop, continually reinforcing systems and, and building the skill and ability of our team members, et cetera. Um, but uh, one of the things that we had to do with, with Intermountain, it's such a large organization, is I had to go, and there's multiple vice presidents throughout this huge organization. And I knew I already had a champion with... Uh, the Northern region and, and, and Tim Pearson. And he was really the voice that was championing these ideas with the executive team mm -hmm. that reported to the uh, CEO of the organization. But I had a couple of VPs of other regions that I went, introduced myself, talked to them about these concepts and kind of fell them out on who would be someone that I could then get a model set up in an other, another area, okay? Because there was some competition between the regions and so forth. And uh, I found a couple of those. And then I found some champions within that organization that I could help facilitate. And we started seeing some pretty nice success. And a lot of that success initially centered around safety, okay? In healthcare, there's a big push for zero harm. A lot of people might have read or um, the book To Err is Human. You know, it basically said that in healthcare, about 30% of the time, there's going to be an error somewhere, which coming from a Six Sigma background and working in automotive, that blows my mind, right? Totally, uh, um, I, I, could, I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. But I was able to center a lot of these principles around safety, mm -hmm. right? So even if, if we didn't have every single metric that was important in the organization, we started these principles around safety and zero harm, mm -hmm. right? 
We identified clearly what success looked like. We created a huddle. They huddled around safety. We then had ideas around safety and so forth. And as an organization, I teamed and partnered with Robin Betts, who was over quality and safety there. And she had some great principles, but she didn't have a vehicle to really communicate them and operationalize. I don't even know if that's a word, but I always say to operationalize these things. And through the model, we were able to operationalize it. And we saw amazing reductions in our serious safety event to the point that we were one of the best in the country Mm -hmm. in a very short period. There was another consulting company that had kind of principles that they were pushing. And they said, it'll take you five years to get this type of improvement one year. Right? Why? Because we captured and utilized the intellect, the skill, the capability of all the employees around safety. Okay. And uh, that got a lot of great promotion and press. And through these specific partnerships that I have, we then had a lot more people within the organization asking about it and having it messaged a lot more from the executive leadership team. And and that was awesome, too. I mean, as you know, I brought a couple of really great companies out to visit Intermountain Healthcare and visit with you and the team at the time. Right. And um, we visited some incredible sites. And, and you said, Max, just which site do you want to go see? We'll just go see whatever. You You weren't just taking me on the oh, we can only go to this one group tour. We were going all over, all over the system. That's exactly right. And, and that's one of the things that, I mean, if you're an executive or you're a leader that has a charge to help, you know, drive some of these systems and, and being implemented, I have always set as one of my key strategies to help promote these operating models mm-hmm. and uh, the associated behaviors I have always reached out to try and get people to come in and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reach out to Max Mm -hmm. and say, what companies are you working with? We might not be that good, but come in and see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Because inevitably, every time that happened, as people spoke about what they were doing, they internalized it. And it rooted deeper in their beliefs and their behaviors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It helped in the implementation of these systems. Well, and it's you, crucial. That's right. And 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 it, and so to that point, I mean, we were going through supply chain, warehouse. We were out in the operating rooms. We were in the the labs. We were in the sterilization areas. We were in the food food services. Revenue cycle. Revenue cycle. We were we were everywhere. Right. Yeah. So I mean. In a pretty relatively short time frame, mm-hmm. in about a year, you could see examples of how this was being applied. But again, it was easy to communicate. Yeah. Right. And and we did follow up on it. Mm-hmm. We we had support from the executives. People had to say, did they have a huddle board? Mm-hmm. Were they doing huddles? Mm-hmm. People, we were we were we had a KPI on how many ideas were being implemented in the organization. Mm-hmm. So not only did we teach, train, coach, communicate the structure, we also, just like the model says, Mm -hmm. we had KPIs and metrics that we were using to follow up on to see where our gaps were to drive it. But I would would say, obviously, people started seeing the results and these types of systems, because they're cultural based, 
people feel good about them. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel good when they've been recognized for their idea Mm -hmm. and they feel good knowing that they've, they've helped improve the healthcare system or potentially drove a more evidence-based practice to prevent a safety issue in the future. That's, Um, that's exactly right. In fact, I remember specifically standing next to you and, and some senior leaders from this company I was with, and we were standing there in the sterilization area, right? Cleaning area from the operating rooms. And this group of people, this, this beautiful team have a visual management board recording how many times those tools have created a safety incident or, or, or an infection. And they track the rates of infection so that they can actually either get rid of the tool, clean it differently, or help the, the doctors understand how to use the tool differently. Right, if, if you remember the story about Sasha. Yes. If we went there. So Sasha is a technician in the sterilization area. It's one of the least paid jobs in all of healthcare, okay? And they said, we want to improve our relationships with the physicians and help them understand that that we wanna help them with with safety. And so they actually allowed some of these sterilization folks to watch some surgeries. And as Sasha was watching one of these, she asked Dr. Hunsaker, I think his name was, who's kind of a little bit of a crusty guy, Mm -hmm. you know, what what can we do to support your ability to provide good care. And he pulls up this little tool. I can't even remember what it was called. That's right. And, and it had a slight bend at the end. Yep. And he says, sometimes I pick up one of these tools yep. and it's bent. Yep. And it could cause an issue of when I'm operating on this person's eye. That's right. Or we've got them, they're, they're under anesthesia. We're in this critical condition. And now I don't have the tool I need and we need to try and find another one and so forth. So she took that down with her team and they investigated the entire process. And then they went up there and what they found is that the uh, operating technicians that work with the physician, sometimes when he would hand them that tool, they would drop it tip down in a cup. Sometimes they would drop it the other end. And guess where that root cause was? Dropping it tip down in that cup. And Sasha identified that and had an idea. Let's get rid of the cups. Let's just put them on a tray. Essentially eliminated that quality issue, safety issue from occurring. And do you know what? You talk to that physician, he has a whole new respect. That's right. Or how smart people are everywhere within the organization, which is critical to drive safety. And the pride that we felt that day, now, and Sasha wasn't trying to toot her own horn that day when she told that story. Her team was telling the story about her. And and of course, but she she was rightfully proud about what she had done. And it was so heartfelt. The entire team was so proud of her. And they felt like for the first time in their careers they could actually track improvements and it help achieve the overall mission of the of the organization. They hadn't seen that that value before. They hadn't seen that that purpose before. Yeah. And the beauty of it is all of a sudden their leaders saw it. Yes. It wasn't just them that saw it, but you you're trying to a lot of people get into management positions because they were really competent individually. Yeah. So their tendency is to micromanage I'm the smart one. Yes. Exactly. So if you create this closed loop operating model, which says 
as the leader, you need to embed yourselves in those huddles yep. and you need to embed yourself in an action plan review so people can tell you what they're doing. Yes, you get to congratulate that person. You get to reinforce that behavior. But guess what it does that's probably even more important? It's going to change your own mind and your own heart and your own behavior. And that's so important. Every time we came back, those leader management boards were so different each time because even, yeah. even over just a few months period of time, they would evolve the board, improve the board, and make sure that the things they were talking about were adding value today, helping, serving, creating value for our customers, yeah. our patients, right. right? Right. It was huge. One more story there that I... I, I, I can't remember the person's name either, but do you remember when we were in food services and the chef oh, yeah. told us about the egg pandemic or the egg one, at one point? It wasn't a, it wasn't a pandemic. Egg it was shortage. Way before COVID. The egg shortage. Yeah. Yes, there yeah. was an yeah. egg shortage, and he and usually as the as the chef, he would have to solve the problem, right? Right. But he instead, because he had started leading in this new way, his whole team swarmed on how can we serve and create value for our our, our people and get what we need and still deliver a good food product to our patients. And he said, that would have been my problem to solve. Instead, they solved it for me. But can you tell me more about, do you remember that story and that experience? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on that story and that experience, and I, I'm having a hard time remembering all the details. Yeah. But uh, so I can't remember exactly what the solution was related to that. Right, There was right. a certain percentage of eggs that were thrown away every single day, and they understood that, hey, you know what, this, the actual size that people look at, they were looking at how much was returned. And I think they just reduced the, the total portion size a little bit, right. spread the eggs out a little. And, right. But all that experimentation, all the data, all of us was done by a frontline person. Right. That and that's the key. Yeah, it know? was front, front line. And, and so the chef said, I've always managed as if he was the, the ruling dictator, if you will. And he said, I'll never lead any way like I used to ever again. Yeah. And yeah. I'll never forget that. I'll just never forget the pride that his team felt in being involved in the process of helping to create solutions. Yeah. So I, I think that's an important point you just made when you're talking about an in, improvement culture, you know, it, it's just not something that you're implementing on your subordinates and those people you work with. Right. I mean, it, it should be changing the way you do work too. Yes. Right. Yes. And those behaviors that, that you're exhibiting uh, also. And I think with the right framework and the right system, it'll support doing that. Well, we spoke to multiple doctors that said just exactly that. They said, my, my mind has changed. I thought this was a waste of time before, and now I see the value. I see right. how we have less confusion, less frustration. We're working better together. We're blaming each other less. And that's helping us to do our work and go to, you know, take care of our patients and let them go home safely. And we go home happier and better, ready to work again tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, I can tell you right now, every single organization I've been with, which I've been with a number, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, with each one of those, I think we've had some great results and some significant success uh, in the organizations related to the implementation of some of these, these models and, and following these, these principles. But every time I go in, I hear, we don't have time to take people off the line to talk about what happened yesterday and how we're going to improve. We don't have time as managers to go to the floor and, and right. follow up on a specific cadence. Um, you know, we, we don't have time. I mean, every time you do this, you know, we, we, we don't want to have a tiered escalation 
you know, because that's like throwing our, our, the other department under the bus, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's it, but you gotta get some folks that will just try it and, uh, and then start to promote it and let other people see it. Yes. And, uh, if you're going to be an executive or a leader, just know you can't be the only one that's voicing and promoting these type of things. As soon as you get some good examples in other places, pull those in, let other people be the voice. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's important because there, there's definitely headwinds whenever you do this stuff. Well, and, and now, of course, you're the chief operating officer at, at, a, at a company that I haven't been able to visit you at since the pandemic has, has you know, prevented any of that. But you, you've deployed and, and work in the same ways that you've, that you've always done. You brought in another system. And how did people receive it? And what would you say is, okay, so not having time is probably the single biggest thing that we hear, right? A lot of managers okay. just say, come on, man, we've heard all the tricks and the gimmicks and all the things, and you're just bringing in another trick and a gimmick. And, and what we're trying to help them understand is, nope, actually, this is a different way of thinking, which should actually save up a lot of your time, right, and give you a number of opportunities here. You're being paged. You you're being yeah, paged. No, it was actually said that I'm the only participant in the con- conference, so <laughs> we're, on, we're on. We're still conferencing. Here we go. But what, so what, any, any kind of final last thoughts based on your current experience and and uh, what you're doing now at Peterson, and and I mean, you're you know the chief operating officer. Is it still worth your time to tell your managers to be out there in the Gemba, telling them how to solve things? What are you coaching? How are you helping them right now to learn why this is so important? How do you sustain it? You know, I mean, uh, Peterson's is a is a great company and it does amazing work. I mean, we're a very large fabrication job shop. You know, we'll have projects that are a hundred million dollars that take three years. And we'll turn it around and we'll be doing another project that takes a day, mm-hmm. you know, that's 500 bucks. The variety here is just really, uh, really significant. And because of that, it was that thing, the same thing. We're so much different. Mm-hmm. We don't do anything like this. We're a job shop. We don't do repeat work. We're doing one and done and, and all these things. So um, I think uh, the implementation here, it was similar to what I've done in, in other places, but you do have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And one of the key things here was um, there's so many different variables that come up with every single day because we've got over 130 different projects mm-hmm. going on. And so it's really hard to do fantastic planning and stuff. So the key here was, you know what, let's, let's, let's at a minimum implement these huddles so we can escalate when we need help. Mm-hmm. And um, it became really clear as we're doing this, that's where all these other systematic things happened. And it helped everybody kind of go, oh, I can see now. I can see where this can help us because we have a big gap there. So just immediately within the first week, it was, we're going to do at least a tiered escalation huddle. Mm-hmm. If all you're talking about initially is safety and what parts you're missing. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk about that with your team, ideas they have. You're going to go to the department. Then you're going to go to the executive huddle. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to... And so just there, it started getting people in a rhythm Mm -hmm. about some of these things. And then we're able to build on to the system more fully. And we've seen some significant uh, 
improvement as an organization. Just in three years, we've had a 50% increase in sales. We've had over 100% improvement in profitability. We've had the best quality performance that we've ever had. Uh, this year, we're trending to have a 50% reduction in our OSHA recordable rate. Um, On-time delivery went from in the 70s to 97%. In you know, really every aspect of our business, our turnover rate is down 50%, even in this crazy environment we're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to find something that's hard, try and find a machinist or a welder. Mm-hmm. A skilled trade. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. You better not lose the guys you have, right? So um, we've seen some pretty great success, but we have so far to go. I, I'd say on the scale of really being good, we're 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 pretty far down the scale still. Mm. You know, we've still got a lot of opportunities, which is encouraging, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that provides hope. Hey, we've seen this and we're We've still got so many opportunities to really tap into that, that just reservoir of intelligence and creativity and innovation that we have in our organization. We're just really getting started. Yep. I love that. So what are your next steps? Like, what do you look at to say, hey, for the next 30 days, I'm working on X, Y, Z. Now, I know everyone's in a different part of the stream. All our listeners are in different, different places. But what would you say to those who are saying, you know what, we're kind of there too, but we could be better. What, what, where, where do you put your focus? You know, I mean, you know, I, I, we, I've even talked to some of the managers, you know, just some additional reset, discipline, getting out on the floor. You know, I, I think we can always improve there. We're, we're starting our fiscal years in January. Mm-hmm. So we're starting the, the strategy deployment cycle now. We're, we're doing some good evaluation of, you know, how do we perform? What do we see in the future? You know, do we need to be adjusting strategies? And then we do kind of a, a we do that at the executive level. And then we do an actual catch ball where we'll then do that with the operational team. They'll then do that front line. And then they'll present, this is what we're going to do to support the overall uh, company's goals. And then we have everybody that picks what we call a WIG, a wildly important goal, which is a specific area that they're going to work on. And then they go through, we go through a cycle every six months where they present and then they say, this is going to be our new one. But I think, you know, overall, there's still a lot of education and training and uh, coaching with our our leaders um, because the big challenge here is just the whirlwind is just amazing. There are so many different things that come at you that you can't predict. It it can pull you away from some of the standard things that you need to do to support the system. So just continually fighting to do that. Keep coming back to the fundamentals. Yeah. Even the simple things sometimes are the most important things. That's right. You know, I love that. I, um, I, we often quote now, you know, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, when he says, you know, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Yeah. Perfect. You know, and and, yeah. and the piece I added is, is I simply say, but I would add that we do need to have with those systems clarity of purpose to be able to provide consistency and and to support those who are actually doing the work, right? Yeah. So we can actually create value. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's one of the, the great benefits of working at Peterson's. We're an employee-owned company. Yeah. You know, we share in the profits every single uh, year with the company. Uh, people have stock in the company. They understand as we increase value, that value supports them in their retirement. Mm-hmm. And that that that's a really, really nice benefit. I 
every, every quarter we kind of give them an overall company review. And so I'll, the next week I'm going to start meetings. I'll probably have about 30 meetings with all of our employees to, you know, reflect on how we've been doing and give them a little forecast what's coming, but it's going to be great to say, Hey, we're way ever, we're, we're, we're exceeding the target for your profit sharing. You know, the, the stock valuation for our company, we get valuated annually in the last three years, it's went up about 38%. My goodness. So, you know, much better than the market. Yeah. And, uh, um, and our people take pride in that. And, yeah. and as a leader, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to, you know, provide some, uh, some ability to help them. You know, our mission is in, to Im- improve the lives of our employees and their families. Yeah. And, uh, it's cool. It's way cool. Brian, I am so grateful that you would join me today on this podcast. I know we went over a bit over time. I'm sure you have other people already trying to call you again. And I know you've had to deal with a few people trying to get your attention while we've done this 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 interview. And I apologize for that. But you've been so good to give me this time and, and to just share with our listeners your journey and your experience. I hope I hope people most importantly will remember that these fundamentals really, really work. And I hope people remember those who actually helped build a lot of these pieces because sometimes the history gets changed or, or forgotten and you were part of that. And I'm glad we recorded this today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you again. Thanks, Max. Thank you. All right. To all our listeners out there, have a great week. 